Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel, Brendan Glasheen with Brandon Anderson and Joe Gallant. Fellas, good to see you again. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I was not here last week, so good to be back. It feels weird. You miss a week and you feel like you miss so much talking to you guys for a recap show. This is the week 12 NFL recap and Monday night football preview. We will get to the Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers later on in the program. Also get Brandon Anderson's hot read for week 13. We just had a loaded Sunday of football, 12 games, no buys for Thanksgiving week. We had the three games from Thursday. We will discuss those games briefly and what it means for the future of the NFC and the AFC playoff pictures. We will start with Green Bay and Philadelphia. Not often this season have we had the luxury of beginning the podcast by recapping the game that just happened because that's the whole idea. Prime time, it delivers. And this game delivered fireworks in the first 30 minutes. It got interesting at the end. If you had the Packers at six and a half, I'm sorry. I I was one of those people, so I was bummed out. Jordan Love looks like he can kind of play. But uh, Brandon, the Packers... Held their own. Aaron Rodgers did get hurt in this game, but bunch of fireworks. Philadelphia now can win in different ways, right? They barely hold on against the Colts last week. It was their defense, and this week their offense had to show out. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought uh, after the first five minutes or so, I was like, man, we might be recording about three hours early tonight. Eagles right down the field, get a touchdown. Rodgers interception, another touchdown. I'm like, all right, we're done here. (laughs) We're just going to frozen pizza this baby all the way to the moon. And uh, yeah, Packers bounce back. Wild first half. Just like back and forth, 2020 halftime. And then it felt like the Eagles put it away, but never really put it away. Jordan Love kind of kept it around. If you got the seven in the the middle of the week, there was a seven out there. So you pushed your seven thanks to some Jordan Love heroics. uh, Thanks to my, my guy, Christian Watson. But I mean, the story has to be, Eagles ran the football, 49 carries, 363 yards, three touchdowns. 
seven and a half yards a carry. Jalen Hurts, 150 yards passing and throwing. 100 of that in the first quarter, running the football. So the Packers just had no answer to the Eagles running the ball tonight. I honestly, guys, I thought this first half was just drunk uncle, man. Like it was <laughs> so, it was just drunk football. Four turnovers, six touchdowns. I mean, the overhit in the first half, uh, you were just talking about Jalen Hurts, like ran for 126 yards just in the first half. Like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, we didn't even talk about Aaron Rodgers getting knocked out of the game, like, you know, getting sacked like five times. <laughs> and, and pretty bad, too. So a lot of those were on third down. Uh, the Eagles defense pretty strong at where it needed to be. Uh, but then we see Jordan Love come in and complete a touchdown to Christian Watson, your boy, Brandon. Christian Watson now six touchdowns in three games. And uh, to put that in perspective, he is now sixth in the NFL in receiving touchdowns just based on that. There's only five guys ahead of him now, uh, which I just find hilarious. But uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts, I mean, 10, four and one ATS in his career at home now. And uh, pretty impressive. I think that's the one thing I would just take away from it. Uh, 40 points on this defense, even though I think the Packers defense does have some struggles there. But uh, I think the Jordan Love uh, aspect here got me a little excited at the end. Green, yeah, Green do, Bay do didn't think, fold. Uh, th there, there's a chance, I think, you know, the Packers are 4-8 and eight now. Yep. Aaron Rodgers went out with the oblique injury. There's really no reason they need to push for anything. Like, the playoff hopes are gone. I know they put that graphic up late in the fourth quarter. We got the Lions and Packers, quote, in playoff contention. Thanks for that graphic. Like, it's not happening for these guys. So, I don't know. I tweeted this out non-zero chance that we just saw Aaron Rodgers in a Packers uniform for the last time. I think we're expecting him to leave at the end of the season. You're four and eight. You need to see what you have in Jordan Love. Look pretty good for a few plays tonight. But what do you guys think? Is there any chance of that? Or am I just creating storylines well, here? Let me let me ask you this, because you had a look-ahead spot uh, over in the Action app. <laughs> you, had, you had Green Bay at minus two and a half at Chicago. Now FanDuel Sportsbook has it at two. I ask you this, is that with Rodgers baked in as the starting quarterback? Because we don't know with Fields, right. is it Jordan Love, the whatever the Bears put out there? I don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. Obviously, I would have the, the, the whole play was Aaron Rodgers in Chicago. We remember the last time he played, I own you, and he does. There's all sorts <laughs> of trends you like with Rodgers and the Bears. So obviously you like it less with Jordan Love. Like, let's just be real about that. But I think if you're the books and you have to set a line and open it, it feels right now, if you had to say which quarterback is more likely to play, Rodgers or Fields, it feels like Rodgers is the more likely quarterback to play. And frankly, right now, the way Fields has been playing and the way Rodgers has been playing, I'm not sure which one of them should be worth more to the spread. Like, it's Rodgers, but it's closer than it really ought to be. So... I think that that's probably a bit of a hedge, but yeah, it's it's certainly not a bet that I would advise you to make right now. I would just hold off and wait till we see what happens with the quarterbacks there. The only thing I would just point out with Aaron Rodgers, I'm not 100% convinced that he won't be back next year just because the Packers would have a huge cap hit if they just let him walk, even <laughs> as part of the trade. So um, I think they're stuck with him at least just for one more year. But after that, yeah, you're starting to see the wheels fall off there. But one more thing about the this game, too. It feels like, okay, well, the Eagles just rolled. And the Packers got, you know, they kept it close. Good for them. But Eagles had this. I'll say, though, Packers averaged seven yards a play in this game. 
The Packers defense was the problem, but I'm not feeling great about the Eagles defense here. It's been regressing some in recent weeks. Not feeling great about the Eagles passing offense either. That hasn't been as strong lately. Tonight, it didn't really matter. Maybe that's all it was is they could just run the ball for 10 yards a pop every time. But really, the Eagles third down defense got them off the field. But Philadelphia, as much as they were running this this game, they should have been able to really win by a lot more than seven here and put this away. So I think this is disguising a little bit that that midseason, not slump, we can't say, because the Eagles only lost once, but it does feel like this team is not quite what it was earlier in the year. And another injury to, you know, a safety. They're unlike their sixth safety back there. So there are some problems starting to mount for this team. Feels a little bit like Buffalo, and we'll get to the Bills later. The the, the the NFC version of Buffalo in terms of what you look like early on, and it's like, okay, there there are some cracks. Let's get to some other games from today, and we will go to Seattle Island. Brandon has made his way home from Seattle Island. It was not a pleasant Sunday trip. Hopefully the other days you were there on the island, you had a great time leading <laughs> up to the game. But uh, the Raiders win in overtime, 40-34. They were an underdog in this game. They cover the three-and-a-half points. What was your takeaway? Yeah, the takeaway is Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs had a monster game and obviously was the guy that goes 86 yards to the house in overtime to end this game on a walk-off or a forced gump-off. Like, he's just running straight out the stadium still to glory. So 33 carries, 229 yards, and two scores. On the flip side, Kenneth Walker, he had two touchdowns also, but only 14 carries for 26 yards. And I think that was the big difference here is that the Raiders got what they wanted on the ground. Seahawks, they couldn't run the ball, and they were very committed to running. They're trying to do a balanced offense. The Raiders' pass defense is not very good and wasn't holding up all that great, but they got a few stops on third down, and they were really just bottling up Walker early on. So uh, Seattle, it felt like, really gave this one away. They had two field goals they kicked when they made it to the red zone. They had a fumble at the 23 in the fourth quarter. They got the ball back in overtime at basically the 50. All you have to do is get a first down or two and kick the field goal for the win. They got nothing out of it. And don't forget, early in the game, Derek Carr, interception, first play of the game. We get a 7-0 gifted lead to Seattle. Another interception, first 10 minutes of the game. Seattle Island, you failed me this week. This was just a game that Seattle should have had. And the Raiders put up something like 550 yards or like some absurd number in this game. So yeah, 576 yards, Seattle's defense early, bad. Then they start to get better. Eh, Might be going back the wrong way this time. Third down regression. It's getting close, guys. It might be time to abandon Seattle Island soon. They are out of the playoffs right now if it started today. So not a good loss for Seattle. No, they are the number eight seed at the moment in the NFC with Washington in front. And Jill and I were talking about that before you came on, Brandon, just how their their path kind of, it, it's very thin as far as how they could carve away through the NFC. Um, let's go to our friend Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals. So Brandon Staley goes for two. They win the game. Eckler catches the touchdown for the Chargers. They win outright. They win 25-24. The Cardinals do cover, though, so good job, Cliff. You covered at home. Normally, you cover on the road. You never cover at home. So Cliff Kingsbury uh, with the victory against the spread, who typically, by the way, 
after week eight is brutal. Our own Evan Abrams has this record here, 11, 20 and two against the spread post week eight for cliff in his NFL career. But Jill, he gets there. And then the, uh, the chargers, they, they bury him and go for two and they win the game. Yeah. Are there two coaches that you just do not trust more in the NFL than these two guys? Like just where the clock management, just like what you're just the randomness that comes with these two coaches and just how some games they look so prepared and it's like, wow, they really got up for this team. And then other times they don't even belong on the sideline and you live by the Staley, you die by the Staley. Like he goes for two instead of OT. If the chargers bust, we can't wait to say what a bad decision it was. I mean, I still feel like they got kind of lucky with Gerald Everett there, even though uh, they have been getting diced up by tight ends pretty much all year, but I just thought it was a pretty bold move. Um, Usually it's the chargers chargering, like they go for two in this spot. And then, you know, it's classic, just what kind of play call was that move? And, uh, you know, I kind of feel bad for underbetters uh, because um, the, by them going for two and, you know, the, the lower probability of that hitting, you know, that sealed the over 48 and a half in that game, you know. So, I mean, it probably would have went over two if they just uh, kicked the extra point and went to overtime. But I know that underbetters, that, that was their last prayer. And, you know, that obviously didn't show up for them. But uh, the Chargers have now trailed by double digits in each of their last four wins. And the fact that they're still able to kind of come back and win that um, just shows maybe a little bit of what their offense is still capable of, even though they just have been in and out of the infirmary all year with a lot of their skill players. Uh, but yeah, from an Arizona standpoint, it was the James Conner show. And I actually had to look it up. They said it on the broadcast first hundred yard rushing game in his time with the Cardinals. And if you think about just how, how successful he was last year, getting into the end zone, never had a hundred yard game. Uh, And they needed it because Kyler was just awful on third down for a lot of, a lot of times in that game, you see seven for 13 on third down. A lot of that was James Conner. And uh, it wasn't really Kyler putting them in positions to succeed. I mean, he kind of said the scheme was shit. You know what I mean? In a press conference after the game, like I don't, that's a pretty bad indictment. Um, You know, so I think at this point, guys, just kind of what we just talked about there, I think we could just pretty much write off Arizona now at four and eight. I I think uh, at this point, I don't even want to talk about them in any kind of contention form for NFC futures. Fortnite downloads and hard knocks. That is the topic uh, topics of conversation. Now, by the way, also good note on Justin Herbert. That was just his third win, the Chargers and Justin Herbert, their third win against the spread in the second half this year. They're now 3-8 and eight against the spread in the second half. Herbert entered this week 11-29-2 in his career against the second half spread, least profitable quarterback uh, since he was drafted. So since he was drafted, worse in the league. So that's a to Jill's point, the Chargers did not charger themselves at the end. Baltimore and Jacksonville, this was a phenomenal finish. Trevor Lawrence displaying Brandon number one pick in the draft kind of stuff there at the end did not play well early, but uh, Jacksonville comes in here. They get the win. Speaking of going for two and winning the game, they win the game at the end by going for two. Doug Peterson likes this trick and they get the victory and they, they hand the Ravens another meltdown loss. Yeah, man, the Ravens absolutely gave this game away. And this was this one stung because I was on the Ravens on the look ahead here. I talked about how ridiculous I thought this line was. To be fair, Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle, went out last Sunday. I liked it a little less as the week went on, but I still liked it at three and a half for sure. And really, Baltimore should have won. It should have covered this game. They should have put this game away any number of times. They're up nine with six minutes left. 
They give up a touchdown, and on the following play, first play of the drive, they fumble, get a field goal, so now they're down one. Nevertheless, they come back, they get the bomb to Deshaun Jackson, score a touchdown, get the two. You're up seven again, under a minute left. And then Trevor Lawrence has, you know, the best drive of his career so far. You have to hand it to him. Made some amazing throws on that drive. And then I think they got a little bit fortunate there. I think we got the review at the end. Gave him a little bit of time to decide, you know what? Let's go ahead and go for two for the win. And they got it there. So Baltimore, to me, this felt like a game where the Ravens came in thinking, we got this. This is easy. Piece of cake. We don't have to really show our cards too much. Let's just finish the job and get out of here with the win. They settled for field goals from the 12, the 10, and the 6. That is not Baltimore football. John Harbaugh normally is very aggressive on these, and you have what's usually this great running attack. Wasn't that great today? So, I mean, look, that's a lot of points you're leaving on the table there. What was wild is the game finishes. They get the ball back one more time throw a 12-yard pass and trot Justin Tucker on for the 67-yard field goal that, let's be honest, we all thought was good. Like, he goes off his foot, and we're like, ah, well, Justin Tucker has done it again. And, you know, I think it wasn't actually as close as it looked from the far angle. I think it bounced, like, halfway into the end zone. But this dude's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Before that kick, and this is going to be on his plaque, 65 straight field goals made in the fourth quarter or overtime. That's the one that broke the streak. That is the asterisk to end all asterisks that the potential game winner NFL record fell a couple yards short there. So it's a bad loss for the Ravens. Jaguars first win in 26 years when they trailed by seven or more in the last two minutes. Last one against the Ravens, 1996. Because of course, that's how those stats always work. So Baltimore's offense, just not good enough lately. Two of five in the red zone, two turnovers. Ravens had nine drives where they got to at least their 47. They yep. got 27 points out of it. It's not good enough. They got to find ways to convert a little better. And uh, it's it's just Lamar Jackson. That's not been enough lately. Yeah, their hot streak against the first half, too. The first half number came to a close. Jacksonville hung around. It was 10-9 at recess, Jill. Yeah, and I was just going to say this game was one of those kind of games that is just a full-on trend buster. Uh, like you, uh, like yeah. Evan Abrams, we we use a lot of his stuff from Action Network. He puts together a weekly betting primer for us. A lot of his stuff that shows very convincing trends that a lot of it will point to stuff uh, just based on data that he collects. And a lot of it is over 60% hit rates. And they all went down. Jags on long rest. You know, the Ravens first half. Ravens off a bye. Um, you know, all these different ones that you could find. So it was just kind of weird to see how that happened and how that kind of collapsed there at the end. So especially with the Ravens being one of the most bet sides this week. Well, there you go. And a lot of folks at action were on the other side. So um, it that's how it goes. It's yeah. a great way of putting it. Okay. Let's go to the frozen pizzas. If you're new to the program, we just kind of take these games and we whip them together. It's something to eat. It's, it's really, if you run out of the Thanksgiving food, if you went somewhere for Thanksgiving, like Seattle Island or to a relative's home and you need something to eat quick, let's just cook up a frozen pizza. We'll call it a day and we'll move on to the next meal tomorrow. It's not delivery and it's not exactly pizza either. It's almost pizza. It's very nearly pizza, but not quite. Pizza that's practically pizza in every way, except for a few key ones. Come on, dig in. Like Cincinnati and Tennessee, good matchup on paper. A lot of field goals in this game, too. Derrick Henry had a hell of a play off a catch, which 
then it got then it got knocked away and and the uh, receiver I'm drawing a blank on his name the, the uh, Burks 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 picks it up and scores the touchdown. Bengals win Brandon twenty to sixteen. This was a pick 'em by kickoff and they covered whatever the number you got one one and a half. Yeah, this felt extremely like the opening playoff game. Like you know, it's Saturday and that was it's that was an AFC game. It's like the Bengals somebody or used to be the Colts somebody or, or yeah. the Texans, whoever they were playing, like yeah. whoever that first game is that the networks are like, well, I mean, they're going to watch because it's the playoffs. So let's put this one first. They'll watch that. That was the Bengals Titans game today. It's It was the one game of the day with both teams above 500 in the playoffs. You know, it's a good game. It's it's a close game. It just wasn't really a fun game. There's not a lot to say about it. So that's why we buried it down here. Two key stats for me in this one. Derrick Henry, you mentioned the long catch, but only 17 rushes for 38 yards on the ground. So Bengals, DJ Reader is back now. That run defense was stout. And then the biggest stat of the game for me is this. Titans, 0 of 3 in the red zone. This is a historically great red zone offense. You get in the red zone, Derrick Henry puts it in in the end zone. That's it. That's what they've done all season long. The Bengals stopped them all three times, held them to three field goals, and another one at the 20, I believe, as well. So that's the difference here. You can really win one of those to a touchdown. We're at a tie game and see what happens from there. So I think that was the key. Bengals have now covered 18 out of their last 20 second halves against the spread. Titans only 3-8 and eight ATS in the second half this year. Jill, I got a whiff of the Niners feeling really good about that win in Mexico City. I think here in the... You know, the bulletin board material, everyone's now talking about them. They're the biggest threat to Philadelphia or the Vikings. And they win 13 nothing. The Saints give you nothing to see on offense. The Niners just kind of took care of business. They did cover the spread eight and a half. Yeah, the Saints offense, man, they fucking stink. Like the Alvin Kamara fumble at the end of that game just <laughs> epitomized everything about this game. Like struggling for more yards, Niners strip them right at the goal line. And we're seeing like a 12 nothing, 13 nothing game. It's just clown shoes BS, man. And the reason why I'm annoyed is because I had some Saints touchdown scores and the Niners gave them so many opportunities in the second half. They were dying to give this game away. The Saints defense played pretty well overall. Um, you know, they gave they had three red zone trips in the second half, no points for the Saints. You got the one brain fart interception from Jimmy G that you're gonna get per game, you know, uh, to, to kind of save your game here. And they still couldn't convert. And it was just really annoying to watch. So uh, you didn't miss much other than just the Saints stink. Speaking of Jill's point about teams that play well off the bye and trends from Evan Abrams. Well, Tampa Bay fits that same criteria to Jill's point, which is it doesn't always necessarily deliver at a high hit rate. And that's Tom Brady off a bye, Brandon. And it looked okay at first. They respond. They scored the touchdown to tie the game with Chris Godwin. Defensively, it felt like they had it going there. Then they allow a fourth and ten freaking touch. Jill wants. I want to swear now too because I. I mean, I'm a Brady. Let guy, it so out. I was Let just, it out. What the fuck? Like, it's right there. Like, close the game out, and they allow a fourth and ten touchdown. Um, and it, it goes to overtime, and of course, Tampa doesn't find a way to score, and Cleveland wins the game outright. And they yeah, Tampa three. has uh, the last couple of years, they've been a team that came out of the bye week and closed the season out well. So I was one of those people back in the trends. I thought this was a great spot to say, okay, you made it through the early slog. Tom Brady got some rest. You're home from Germany. 
get a little time with the line. The receivers are getting healthy. The defense is getting healthy. Let's see what you can do. Well, if that's what they can do, then it's not great for this team. They failed to score the last 33 minutes of the game against a defense that is not good. They're 4-15 on third down. Kristen Wirfs got carted off in overtime. That could be a really big loss for them. That's that's the penalty of giving up. Not only, like you said, that fourth and 10, not only do you go to overtime and lose, might have cost you Tristan Wirfs here, your best offensive lineman. So that's big as well. First time ever Tom Brady is under 500 entering December. The last time he was under 500, even in November, was 2002. So, yeah, the man uh, can play some football. But Tampa Bay, five and six, division leading. We'll see. We'll come back to that. They host the New Orleans Saints on Monday night next week. And you may recall the Saints have given the Bucs some problems in recent years. And by the way, that entire division is sitting on five or four wins now. So we'll see. Uh, Tom might be along for the ride here down the stretch. And they're laying, they're laying five and a half. Yuck. Like that's just, that just tells you like, what do we do with these two teams? To Jill's point about the Saints, they <laughs> fucking suck. Tampa fucking sucks. We don't know what to do with this game. We're going to make it five and a half. We dare you to take the Bucks to get their crap together. How can you at this point? How can you trust the Saints though to get their crap together? Oh, that division's terrible. It really is. Tom Brady. So that's his 10th loss in his career off uh, 13 days of rest. And that's not many. And he's never tied before. And I noticed that on the broadcast. He, I was like, is Brady ever tied? Nope, he's never been in a tie. So that could have happened. Would have been better than that. Rams, Chiefs next on our list. Speaking of just like, how do they get this stuff right? Chiefs win 26-10. They cover 15 and a half points, Jill. So Vegas was on the money on this one. And um, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, they, they, they got all these new weapons. Andy Reid just knows how to piece this thing together. And they, again, just felt like another handle our business kind of game. Yeah. It was one of those uh, conspiracy theories, like Vegas new like kind of games, which I don't subscribe to, but then you see Bryce Perkins throw two late interceptions in the second half. They get two field goals as a result, which puts them up by 16 and it feels a little convenient. Anyway, I'm not going to actually go down that road, but The one thing that I did find concerning those six red zone trips for the Chiefs, only one touchdown out of that. It almost kind of felt like I don't another conspiracy theory. I don't know if guys do look ahead games. We do look ahead lines. I don't know if guys think about look ahead games because they have the Bengals coming up here and they knew the Rams kind of were battered. They were starting a third string quarterback. I'm not sure if they put their best effort out there, Uh, but yeah, the uh, Rams have now lost five straight first time in the Sean McVay era. So yeah, You know, maybe you might see a retirement. Maybe you might not. I don't know. Yeah, you got whacked in the jaw, too. Did you guys see that? You <laughs> yeah, got whacked you got clocked. In the face. Yeah. Clocked. He said it's been his toughest year as a coach, and then that happened to him. So Iron jaw. Yeah, have we ever Good seen a coach go into concussion protocol before? Because uh, we, if we saw that hit on a player, we, we'd put him in the blue tent. So. Oh, it's yeah, defenseless receiver. Definitely. It's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> Are we sure McVay wants to go out like this? Like I know he won the title last year, but uh, it looks kind of. Maybe he'll. Maybe he'll. Uh, he'll. He'll relish this opportunity. You know. Like, oh, okay. Now we got to yeah. scheme back up. But then again, no draft picks. So good luck with that. Man, maybe Atlanta, that it was the setup. Maybe he's going to uh, go into protocol and be out the last couple of months. It's the perfect crime. Yeah, conspiracy theories much. <laughs> John McVay for comeback coach of the year next year. Um, Atlanta, Washington, this game it bothers me because I took Atlanta and the points. And like, what are, what, are the Fal- <laughs> what, are the, what are the Falcons doing? Taylor Heineke, Brandon, is just a covering machine. This guy can't 
not cover and not lose. Washington wins 19-13. They cover interception in the end zone of Mariota at the end to seal it. Yeah, this was my one best bet that actually hit this week. I was on Washington, and boy, was it undeserved. I am sorry to your Atlanta bet, Brennan, because <laughs> Atlanta's driving down. They're inside the 10. I almost tweeted out, only Marcus Mariota could save us now. And I couldn't get the tweet out there in time before he pulled the old Russell Wilson and get tipped at the line, trying to throw in the end zone, intercepted. And then, and then Washington gets stopped three times. Atlanta used their timeouts. Washington's going to kick or punt the ball away. And Atlanta runs into the punter first down, kneel the ball game over. This was such an undeserved cover for the Washington side, but you know what? Betting is live in Maryland now. In the DMV, a lot of folks probably put their money on Washington and Baltimore this weekend. They didn't get Baltimore. Y'all deserve Washington. So hope you enjoyed the ride for those two games. That was that was quite a time. Washington, 7-5, very much in the playoff hunt now. And by the way, weird schedule glitch. They now play the Giants, then a bye week, then the Giants again. So we'll see how that goes. Hmm. Taylor Heineke, 11-2-1 against the spread in his last 14 starts. 11, 2, and 1. And now 7, 0, oh, and 1 in his last eight. It's pretty good. Guy, guys just winning games, even though it doesn't always look very pretty. <laughs> Let's go to Houston, Miami. Dolphins cover 14, 14 and a half, whatever you got to that. They win 30 to 15. Jill, this was over really from the beginning. Miami just put an absolute beating on them. They were up, shutting them out, and then some garbage points for Houston. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think we could find uh, a worse quarterback on the roster than Davis Mills, but here we are with Kyle Allen with uh, two picks. Could have had four. Honestly, there was a pick six early that pretty much swung the game. Game was over at halftime. Dolphins led by 30. And had they just kept their foot on the gas, they probably could have got the over by themselves. And they do hang on to cover. Got a little tricky there at the end. Uh, But now probably the quietest eight and three of the week. You know what I mean? Just like where we're talking about all these different wins and different results. You know, they're second in the AFC now very comfortably at eight and three. I'm fascinated by that game next week against San Francisco. Well, as, as Brandon pointed out on some of our shows, the podcast, take a look at Tua for MVP because the schedule really softens and they just got through that part. Now of the schedule. Now here's a, here's a legit, right. Here's a legitimate test at San Francisco and your three and a half point underdogs. Makes sense. Um, Chicago and the Jets. This was <laughs> the, the best part about this game was before the game, Brandon. If you'd like to, uh, th- yeah, this might deserve say, a don't attention. steal my thunder. That's the only thing I have to say about this game. Okay, please got, go. Yeah, Justin Fields banged up all week. The line starts rising, he's out. Then we have the drama Sunday morning. Trevor Simeon's supposed to start. Oh, just wait. Trevor Simeon injures himself warming up. Nathan Peterman, the corpse of Nathan Peterman, is back. And betters are running to get their bets in at any number against the Bears. And then literally like 15 minutes before the game, suddenly Schefter tweets out, just kidding, Trevor Simeon might be starting after all. Literally the game starts. The Jets win the coin toss. Mike White marches right down the field. Another new quarterback, by the way. Mike White, fantastic. 11 yards per attempt in this game. Not even the story, because literally they're marching down the field we still don't know who's playing quarterback for the Bears. The game is happening, and we don't know who's playing. Anyway, it turns out it didn't matter because Trevor Simeon and, and Nathan Peterman are both are awful. So Simeon started. I had a Jets three-and-a-half ticket from early in the week when I thought this might be going this direction with Fields, 
And the Bears come out and get 10 points on the first two dives. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going to get the <laughs> the Bears cover on a Trevor Simeon, Nathan Peterman. No, it, it didn't happen from there. Jets, 31-10. Mike White looked great. Something named Zonovan Knight ran for 69 yards for the Jets. Apparently, that's their running back now. New York, they keep winning. It's legit defense, too. I think, imagine if Mike White played like this and it was Fields on the other side and the Jets win this game. Don't we look at this a little more? Like, it's a kind of a big-time win if the Jets beat, if they hold Justin Fields in check based on how well he'd been playing before he had gotten hurt. Imagine if yeah, Mike I White was so. playing the, in New the, England last week. Yeah. Well, and we, we, we'll see with Mike White as yeah. well. I uh, Mike White looked fantastic. His first full game last year had the big upset win against the Bengals. Right. Then played a couple more games and quickly went back to the bench. So we'll see. Mike White hits the road next week to Minnesota with a little extra rest. So that's a really interesting one. I, I really, really wanted to get to Minnesota on my hot read. And you guys know I don't trust my Vikings very much. But, man, Mike White, road start, only a three-point underdog against, what, a 9-2 and two Vikings side. That seems a bit disrespectful. I, uh, you know, I, I missed last week's pod and I'm just really happy to be back. And we're going to wrap up the frozen pizza section with the Denver Broncos losing 23 to 10 at Carolina. And I get to ask Jill Gallant what he thinks. Oh, the Denver Broncos. Um, I just have some questions. That's it. No, uh, no statements. So questions. First question. Can we just ignore the Broncos the rest of the season? Like, we don't even have to recap them. Like, whatever the result is, they could go into Philly tomorrow and win. It doesn't matter. So that's, to me, my answer. But, again, I'll pose that question to the general public. Question number two, how many more weeks is it before a defensive lineman just punches out Russell Wilson? Because it's getting pretty close. You saw it on the sideline. I know blowouts are all different, and, you know, they happen all the time in the NFL. But there's a lot of vitriol coming from that sideline right now to Russ. I think people uh, is going to get a little testier as the season goes on. And finally, can we just say that Nathaniel Hackett is probably not going to be there next year? I, I think that's a fair assessment. I, like, I don't know at this point if he's got control of this team. And yeah, I mean, other than that, Patrick Sertain, I don't think should be considered the best cornerback in the league anymore. There we go. I said it. You know, that whole narrative about the Broncos or that stat had they scored 18 points in all of their games and have a great record. Well, now the last two weeks, they've allowed 22 and 23, which is like for any defense, that's not a bad day. But their offense can't score 16 to Vegas in overtime last week and 10 to the freaking Panthers on the road. They go to Baltimore next week. They get Baltimore, Kansas City. They still have Kansas City twice. Yikes. Oh, and by the way, Kansas City that first time. Good news, Jill. Sunday night, we get Broncos in primetime again. And then a little gift for you, a little Christmas gift. Christmas afternoon, Sunday, standalone island game. Broncos, Rams. Eat it up, Christmas afternoon. I'll be watching NBA during that one. They could flex that game and they should flex that game. No, they, they can flex the Chiefs game out of Sunday night. You can't flex a Christmas Day Christmas game. There are right. only three <laughs> games. Like that, that game is going nowhere except 
on the back burner while we're all trying to open presents and, and drink some eggnog. Yeah, p- yeah, please flex that. Please pl- flex the Sunday night game. Please, please. Okay, let's go back to Thanksgiving. That was Thursday, but some big matchups. Five of the six teams in legitimate playoff discussion. Sorry, Detroit Lions. But uh, want to get your thoughts on these games, guys, what it means sort of now, because we're at a point in the year now where we're, we're kind of coming down the stretch now. There's five, six games remaining for most of these teams to uh, before the playoffs start. So Buffalo, Detroit, Bills win. They don't cover. It gets hectic at the end. They need the game-winning field goals. The Lions cover as a giant dog. By the way, for all the games we just recapped, there were four teams this week. The Niners, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Jets all cover a seven point or more spread. So they cover a touchdown plus spread. The bills and the giants who played on Thanksgiving did not giants lost. They got the backdoor cover with the giants was phenomenal at the end. So the Cowboys won 28, 20, but the giants get the 10 uh, covered 10 points and Patriots Vikings, which was fantastic. That was a great game. Vikings win. We'll get to Brandon uh, in a second on that, but we'll start first with Buffalo, Detroit, Jill, nice work on the uh, the best bet under 31 and a half points. Yeah, I mean, it was it was getting pretty sweaty there at the end because uh, there was quite a few times there where it felt like the Lions were just going to give up 40 to 45 points on this uh, offense. Um, yeah, I mean, it got really testy there. I thought we were going to overtime in that game. And then, you know, Stephon Diggs, like just a bullet over the middle to Stephon mm. Diggs. Uh, it's like, it feels like a lifetime ago now compared to what we just saw, uh, today, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the bills are sitting at eight and three. They've still got that matchup again with the dolphins, uh, before the end of the season that that probably will decide the AFC East at this stage. But right now they're, they're sitting as a wildcard team behind the dolphins in the AFC. How about you, Brandon, about uh, this game bills and, uh, lions. Yeah, starting to feel like more of the same here. Josh Allen, another back-breaking interception in the red zone. Like, how many of these can this guy have in one season? 11 picks now. And look, at the end of the game, Josh Allen is the MVP. One play right down the middle. Bam. Field goal, run a couple more times, get out of here with the win. You stole it, but you only had to steal it because you gave the red zone interception away earlier. Like, you can be the MVP and the LVP apparently all in one. And that's kind of what the Josh Allen package has been for the last month. I think too, the other thing is sometimes it's just not your season. And I have to say, I'm starting to wonder if that's the case with the bills health wise, they finally get Tredavious white back. Finally, after he was week to week for the entire season. And now Von Miller goes out and it looks pretty bad. We'll see how long it is. I don't think it's season ending, but it's going to be some time that's a huge loss. He has really changed their pass rush this year. And I don't know, man, the Bills, they continue to start slow. They're not a good first quarter team. They're kind of relying on that Josh Allen heroic to come through. And it certainly can, but no one would be surprised to see them win four games and win a Super Bowl. But can they do it four in a row? Can they actually not have the one backbreaking mistake or the low point? That's the thing that we're starting to get a little worried about here. They have the weapons, but they're like the Ravens in a way where they rely so much on Lamar to bail them out. And Lamar does not have the weapons anywhere close to Josh Allen, but it's so individually driven. It feels like how they scheme it up that, yeah, at some point you can win some games and have some firework performances, but is that going to take you to the promised land? I'm not too sure. Jill, we'll spend a moment here. So as I mentioned, the Cowboys won, they didn't cover but you ha- you have to be encouraged with the explosiveness of this offense. They went down in this game, 
and they they responded well to adversity in this game at least yeah i mean cd lamb was unstoppable pretty much he didn't get into the end zone but he set up pretty much three of those scores for them i mean the giants scored with eight seconds left like a touchdown like the game was not as close as the final score indicated um zeke elliott owns the giants though like he now has a touchdown on them in nine of 12 games in his career so just kind of keep that in mind you know as going forward as a touchdown better but looking kind of at the cowboys now more from their pov instead of kind of the giants uh you know Cowboys got a little bit of an easy schedule. I don't want to call it easy because no, there's no real easy games in the NFL, especially with the Cowboys. They kind of play down to their competition, but you know, you got the Colts, Texans and Jags portion of your schedule coming up. Uh, If you can kind of take care of business in that sets up a nice little showdown for Christmas Eve with the Eagles. But again, you still need some luck, you know, for the Eagles to maybe drop one along the way just to put you in a position. So I almost kind of feel like the Cowboys, I don't want to say they can go in cruise control, you know, the rest of the season, but at the same time, the way that the NFC uh, is played out right now, that they could probably win two or three more games at most and still make a wild card. And they're probably not going to be able to catch the Eagles in the division. So crazy to think back now when Cooper rush was starting, you're, you're getting a touchdown on the line, or even like when they played against the Bengals, right? You're getting a touchdown. Now these next three, Dallas is probably favored by at least a touchdown in all three of these games. Maybe Jacksonville, if they like go on a little run, we'll see. Could be close, but just about like a touchdown or so. So Indianapolis is getting nine and a half points. That's for next week. They play play Monday night, which we'll get to Monday night in a second. Brandon, uh, finally, your Vikings. See, look at this. Your your team's won Thursday. This is great. My Patriots didn't win. They were, don't even get me started on that. Never mind. Tampa and new england but anyway vikings win they they cover the spread this game i felt was a seven point finish but it, this was pretty close all the way through it's a great game yeah primetime kirk actually came through for once the that vikings too. scored 10 on answer in the fourth quarter to come back another big justin jefferson game kirk cousins 5.6 averaged up the target normally we'd make fun of the quarterback what are you doing like let's get some passes down the field I think that was schematic this game. I think that was on purpose. New England's pass rush wasn't quite getting to him because they're getting the ball out fast, getting it to the weapons. Get all those Minnesota weapons. Let's just let Cook and Jefferson, Thielen, and now Hawkinson has really settled in nicely. I think that's the right thing here. Kirk Cousins, we know he's accurate. We know that's the thing he can do. Just get it accurately to these other talented playmakers and let them do their thing. Vikings give up seven and a half yards of play to the Patriots, though, to a team that was dead last in DVOA offensively for the last few games. Mac Jones lit them up 10 yards per attempt. Not great for the Vikings defense here. So I don't think you get too excited about a Minnesota win, but we've been saying that all year and they just keep on winning. Brennan, to your Patriots, the Vikings got five first downs on penalties. It felt like it. They got every call in that game. Like, I got a little Thanksgiving gift from the gods on that one because definitely that helped put over the line. But Minnesota, Buffalo, Dallas, New England was the three-game stretch they just had. Can't argue with two and one. The one, boy, the one was really bad. But you can't argue with two and one against Bills, Cowboys, Patriots. So, yeah, I feel pretty good. No question. So we are two-thirds of the way through the season because we're 12 weeks in. And like we mentioned, playoff picture is coming um, – it's starting to come to light here. We're starting to figure out like what this is going to look like. We think, I mean, 
Brandon, I'll go to you first, then Jill. Just big picture thoughts now with this week kind of in the rear. You hear it, you hear it all the time. After Thanksgiving or on or post-Thanksgiving, that's when the season kind of really begins for like the, the teams that are in it. But what comes to mind, big picture thoughts, maybe some actionable things that you're looking at now that we know what we know through two-thirds of the season? Yeah, I'll just give you three quick hitters here. So NFC playoffs, we got Seattle, the Giants, and Washington. Two, Three teams for two spots, really. And Washington, the Giants, we just said, they play each other two times the next three weeks. And they've got tough schedules, both of them coming up. So they're going to kind of cannibalize each other. Seattle still plays the Rams twice. And they really lock into the Rams were bad before, but boy, they're really bad now. We don't know if Stafford will play again. Cooper Cup is out. Allen Robinson is now out. I'm not sure if that even counts as a loss. But yeah. Seattle has a pretty good path here with their schedule. So I like them for the playoffs. Talked about the Buccaneers division. Does somebody has to win it division? I got my eye on the Saints. We know how the Saints have matched up against the Bucs. They played them this Monday. They're going to have to win that one. But if they do, they go into the bye week and then close out with Falcons, Browns, Eagles, Panthers. That's winnable. That is a winnable stretch. And the Saints, I think, are around plus 750, plus 800 for the division. I think that's worth a play. 850, even better. So I like that. And then the one more, the AFC is a jumble. We got like four AFC East teams. Well, here's where I'm at. Chiefs are the one seed. The Titans win the division. So that's two teams. And then we've got the Ravens and Bengals, I think, are both in. I like Ravens division, but the odds aren't really worth playing right now. So basically, you got... Jets, Patriots, Dolphins, Chargers, I think for two spots. I like the Jets here. And I play, we talked about this, Brendan, uh, when the Mike White news broke last week on Green Dot Daily. Yep. I still think there's some value on the playoffs here. There's seven four. They go at Minnesota, at Buffalo. So not a great stretch here. But if they can get one of those two wins, you're at eight wins. Then home Detroit, home Jacksonville. That's the key stretch. You get those two wins and you get one of these next two. You're at 10. Maybe you close out with one more after that. I think the Jets, with a real not Zach Wilson quarterback, can make the playoffs. So I'm looking for Seattle and Jets playoffs and maybe a little nibble on the Saints to win the division. If you're right about the Jets, that means Mike White is probably the start of the rest of the year. I'm just not Zach Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Robert Sala will then take back his word of our intent is to get Zach back on the field at some point this year. That will not happen if they go if they go on a roll. Yeah, he can come think. back on the field. He could be a holder for an extra point. He could come in and kneel the ball down on a on a win. He gets some garbage time in the fourth quarter. There's a lot of ways to be true to that word. Way to utilize a second overall pick, Jill. Your your lasting thoughts from two thirds of the way through the season. Yeah, just conference odds. Just looking at some buy sell options here. Kind of like the Bengals at 10 to 1 right now at FanDuel to win the AFC. Uh, I think right now this is probably the best price you're going to get because if they beat the Chiefs this upcoming week, they're home underdogs as three-point underdogs right now from a look-ahead st- standpoint. Um, if they win this game, they're going to drop down to like plus 500, plus 600 range to win the conference at that point. So I think at that stage, you just want to kind of get ahead of that movement if you think they are going to go win the AFC. And then also from a sell standpoint, I know that they're probably just going to backdoor into the playoffs because their entire division sucks. 
but I'm fading the Bucks in the NFC. I don't want any part of that. You know, they've got the Niners, the Bengals, the Cardinals, Panthers, and then the Falcons to round up the season. We just talked about this off air that week 18, the January 4th game or the against the Falcons Peace. could yep. end up yep. being could end up being for the division title at this rate. So, um, and I don't really know if I trust the Bucs to win that game just with the way that they played. So again, I just don't want any part of the Bucs and I don't think that they should be plus 850 to win the NFC. Okay. That was a lot to unpack. 15 games, every team in the league in action this week. Um, as a reminder, folks, you can find all of our picks from the best bets episodes that we record every Thursday. We did Tuesday last week because of Thanksgiving, but you can follow our two accounts, Action Network NFL Picks, our two shows, meaning the Sunday six pack and then the NFL best bets episode. We have one more pick pending from uh, one of our fill in guys. I think it was DeBundo who picked the Steelers who are at plus two and a half. Tonight against the Colts, over under set at 39 and a half points. Brandon, I'll go to you first because you got a you got a line at three, Steelers plus three earlier in the week, and you're riding the, the TJ Watt impact and of course Tomlin's numbers post week five against the spread are very good. Yeah, I'm with the bundle on this one. Look, the Colts have obviously gotten better with Jeff Saturday. There's no denying it. Two games, he won one game, they nearly beat Philadelphia the other game. In those two games, small sample, but up to 20th in DVOA. That's really good. It's respectable. They're still pretty pretty good defensively. They're up to 25th in offense in that stretch. That's really not 32nd, which is what they are the rest of the season. Genuinely, they've improved a lot. Very good. Well, guess what? Over the same two games the Colts have improved, the Steelers also brought someone back. And it's someone that actually plays on the field named TJ Watt, unlike the high school coach on the sideline making all the difference for the Colts. And the Steelers, in their two games with their guy back, are ninth in DVOA, top five defensively, top five rushing offense and defense. And the offense has been top 15 as well during that stretch. So small samples. But the whole thing with the Colts is, well, I don't know. Maybe the Colts are good now with Jeff Saturday. Hmm. Well, the data we have tells us that the Steelers are even better now with TJ Watt, and they've been better the rest of the season too. So it's not as strong of a Tomlin underdog spot but 71% against the spread week five forward as an underdog. So I still like it here. It's not a slam dunk Tomlin underdog spot for me, but probably like a half unit play more than a full, especially if you don't get the plus three, but I do like the Steelers here. I think they have a good chance to win outright. Jill, anytime touchdown scores tomorrow night, Jonathan Taylor, the leader in the clubhouse at minus one fifty-five. That That is not your, that's not your wheelhouse. You like looking down the board. Yeah, but not too far. I'm going to take Fryermuth okay. with uh, the Steelers at plus 290. Uh, really starting to get a rapport with Kenny Pickett. You know, he has five red zone targets and 37 targets overall just in his last four games. Uh, I think Stephon Gilmore is probably going to line up with Deontay Johnson as much as he can. So if you're not looking at Deontay, you could look at George Pickens too. I just think that they're going to try to funnel the offense more towards the middle uh, from a Steelers perspective. Now from the Colts side, I think you got to look at Paris Campbell. Uh, he's around plus. 330 second on the Colts and touchdown catches and red zone targets. Uh, the Steelers, their secondary is woeful 22 passing touchdowns. That's last in the NFL. And the only thing that I would just mention is that while I do think TJ Watt, his impact defensively is obvious. It's still worth mentioning that defenses that offenses rather have had seven passing touchdowns in the three games that he has played this year. So even though he does get to the quarterback, you can only do so much when the secondary isn't helping you out. 
Okay, good points. Matt Ryan to rip off another run. He's at plus one thousand. <laughs> Just <laughs> Jill, Jill does not want any part of that conversation. No. 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 Okay. Pittsburgh is getting 87% of the money, 50% of the bet. So the bets are pretty split even between the two teams, but most of the money, according to the action app, coming in on Pittsburgh for Monday night football. Before we wrap the show, we always like to look ahead to the following week. That would be week 13. Let's kick off the hot read. Hot route. Blue 17. Nice right. Ice cream. Jose. Blue the Raiders. 19 seven. 19. Louisville Soul Train. Again, if you're, if you're new, folks, if you're tuning in down the stretch post-Thanksgiving, you're trying to get hot before the year ends, this isn't always about analysis of a matchup, but it's more so anticipating a significant, possibly significant shift in the line before kickoff and uh, getting the best number possible. So, Brandon, with that being said, your hot read for week 13, what do you have for us? So we're going to do a teaser. I think we did this once before on the high read. So if you don't know teasers, you get to grab two teams. You move the line six points in your favor. And the goal here, of course, is move your line across, hopefully multiple key numbers. So I'm going to tease the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're at plus one and a half at Atlanta. So we'll tease them to seven and a half. See, we cross the three, we cross the seven there. And then I'll tease the Raiders. They're home against the Chargers. Two and a half point underdogs. We'll tease that one to eight and a half. So the key thing is here, we get both teams, just keep it within one score, one score game, and we are set. So Steelers, Falcons, Atlanta has only one win all season by more than four points. So we see the one score game, Pittsburgh, I mentioned top five run defense their last couple of games. I think Pittsburgh is the better team. I probably won't be just on Pittsburgh outright against Atlanta, but Steelers have covered a seven and a half point spread in eight of 10 games so far this year. So I like that one. And then Raiders, Chargers, six of the last seven games between these teams have been one-score games. Like, these are the most wonky, unpredictable teams. It always comes down to the end with both these teams. Chargers, nine of 11 games this year, one score. Raiders, eight of 11 games, one score. So Chargers have only won by more than five points once all year. We seem to keep these both to one score. I'll take the Steelers and the Raiders teaser. Grabbing it now, because a lot of times when there's an obvious teaser like this, the lines move a point or a point and a half purposely to get out of that teaser range. So that's why this works for high read for one week. Well, the other thing too, right, is if Pittsburgh with the two and a half tonight, if they could win outright against Indy, and then you're looking at Pittsburgh possibly I don't know about favored, but I don't know. That line could move with Atlanta yeah, too, they, right? They could, they could, because, you know, when it gets to a number there were plus one half, right? Or one and a half right now, when it's so close to zero, you flip to the other side and you often lose from a plus one to a minus one like that. Like that's a two point swing. Right. So yeah, if the Steelers come out and look good and dominate on the road, which is possible they could, then yeah, I think that that's entirely possible. They could end up being favored. And so you possibly lose as much as a field goal of, of uh, points there. Right. You'd have to tease through zero. Maybe you're getting five points. Yeah. Never, a- never, 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 never tease through zero. So it's, it's now or never if you want the teaser. It's important to get the teasing is only works well at the right numbers. So you want to grab teasing here to get to seven and a half and eight and a half. You're crossing those three and seven on both times there. That's the key. Teaser teaching. Love it. That's how we're wrapping up the podcast. Jill, final thoughts? You have a hot read for us or anything? You good? 
Uh, just uh, over under 12 and a half hours of sleep after that Steelers Colts game with the over heavily juiced. Over under 12 and a half hours of sleep. That's right. I'll take the over. My sinus infection is going to have me in a coma after that thing. I'll start halfway through the game, too. It's a lot of football <laughs> over the last few days. Good football, too. Oh, I, I see mean, even college football as well. I'm just be nice to have a little bit of sleep after I'm expecting a snoozer for Monday Night Football. Okay. All right. Very, very good. That's fair. Um, we're going to go. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. Thanks for starting your week after the holidays, which is always difficult. We understand. Hopefully we made that better for you today or whenever you're listening. Thanks to Brandon Anderson, Joe Gallant. We will join you again for the best bets episode week 13 later in the week on the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. I'm Brendan Glass. You all have a great week. We'll talk to you again soon.